Today's scripture will be from John 7, verses 45 through 52. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, Never has a man spoken the way this man speaks. The Pharisees then answered them, You have not also been led astray, have you? No one of the rulers or Pharisees has believed in him, has he? But this crowd, which does not know the law, is accursed. Nicodemus, who came to him before, being one of them, said unto them, Our law does not judge a man unless it first hears from him and knows what he is doing, does it? They answered him, You are not also from Galilee, are you? Search and see that no prophet arises out of Galilee. Well, I'm very happy to be with you today. I'm very grateful for the privilege to worship with you, to sing these beautiful songs. Thank you for leading us in such a fine way in these songs and the fine participation that you've given to them. Our singing is just very beautiful today, and I'm very grateful for it. To be here and worship with uh, you in these prayers, I'm very grateful for that. Such fine praying. Thank you for your very fervent, very scriptural prayers, and for your presence this morning, we're always very grateful for the scripture reading, for the very serious thought about which we go about our worship. I'm always very appreciative of you, and I think if you're visiting with us, I think you see just how important worship is to us. It's not something that we entered into haphazardly, but it's very thoughtful, and it, it's a very important time for us to worship God and to sing these wonderful praises to his name. We'll be back again tonight, 6 o'clock. I started a series of lessons on Sunday evening I call Sunday Night Seminar, and we're looking at world religions. We have looked at modern-day Judaism. We've looked at Hinduism. Tonight I'd like to talk about Islam, and you see a lot of that in the news today. I'd like to talk a little bit about that. And it's just a little bit compared to the great amount of material that can be presented. But I look forward to being with you and doing that again this evening. And it's never our intention to embarrass anyone or to denigrate anyone. It's always our intention to pursue truth wherever it leads us. And we're not ashamed of it. And we present the truth against all those who oppose it. Well, I'm very happy to be with you this morning. As I mentioned already, I know that a number of you are visiting because of the holidays, and we're very grateful for that. We're grateful for your visit. Now, I hope you have a very happy holiday, a special time to associate with family and friends, and that's always a great time to be together, and I always look forward to that ourselves. We're going to be doing a little bit of traveling, and uh, we're going to go north of the Red River. I don't often get up there. But we're going north, to the Red, north of the Red River to Edmond, Oklahoma, and visit family and friends up there as well this week. So we will be back, though, next Sunday. And we look forward to being with them and look forward to being back with you once again. Perhaps you came today expecting me to talk about the birth of Jesus. I'm not going to talk about that today. Now, I've said a lot about that in lessons past. In fact, on Wednesday night, we talked about the birth of Jesus in considerable amount of time, and given a great deal of consideration to the birth of Jesus and the life of Christ Wednesday evenings. I encourage you to be with us when we go through those important matters. What I'd like to talk about today, rather than the birth of Jesus, 
is the voice of Jesus. And I don't know if you thought much about this particular matter, but Jesus must have had a marvelous voice. When you think about the words of Jesus and the way he said them, and the encouragement which he was able to give those, the sound of his voice, the comfort of his voice, the encouraging attitude that he had with those who were weak and those who were in need, a kind of uh, rebuke to his voice at times when rebuking needed to be rebuked and people needed to be rebuked. He must have had a powerful voice. On one occasion, Jesus uh, had in the boat gone out a little ways from the shore. There as he did, he was able to sound loud enough so that the multitudes could hear him. Uh, he didn't have the benefit of the microphone system that I have, but still his voice could be heard. Must have had a great voice. Jesus and his voice. Revelation chapter 14 and verse 2, there John describes the voice of Jesus by saying it sounded like mighty waters rushing. And there's certain symbolism involved in that and the great point that John's making in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 2. A powerful voice. I've been to Yellowstone in the falls at Yellowstone. It's powerful rushing water there. The water is so powerful as it rushes down that you can hardly hear one another talk. And it makes me think of Revelation 14 and 2 and the great voice of Jesus. But I suspect that it's not the sound of his voice that God wants us to remember. It's what he said. It's the substance of his words. It's not the inflection of his tone. It's more consideration of the things that he had to say. And so the chief priests, and they sent their officers out, go arrest him, John chapter 7. But when they go out to arrest Jesus, they come back and they said, you know, we never heard anyone speak like this before. And they said, well, have you been intoxicated with his views? Have you come to accept the views of the Galilean as well? And our text today explains the fact that they were listening to the voice of Jesus, and the voice of Jesus was of such a nature and substance that they could not arrest him. Rather than talk about the birth of Jesus today, I want to talk about his voice. The Bible tells me, Matthew 24 and 35, heaven and earth will pass away. But Jesus said, my word shall not pass away. I want to hear about the words of Jesus. Would you like to hear the words of Jesus today? In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus went back to heaven centuries ago. And we're still studying his words. We're still thinking about their power. And we're thinking about the import of these great words and the impact, the relevance of them to our lives today. Would you like to listen to the words of Jesus and hear the voice of Jesus? Well, I can't hear the tone. I can't hear the inflection of his voice. But I can hear the words. Which is what God really wanted to preserve for me. He didn't want to preserve the sound of his voice as much as he wanted to preserve the words of his voice. And he said, you need to listen to his words, the importance of these words. 
And let these words sink deep down into our hearts and affect our lives as they should. If you go away from this place today, and as you do, I hope you're thinking about the words of Jesus. I've asked people, would you be willing to do what Jesus told you to do? If Jesus were here and he were speaking to you and you were listening to him, would you do what Jesus told you to do? I think every person I've asked that question has always said yes to me. Yes, if Jesus were here and I were listening to him speak, I would do what Jesus told me to do. Let's do that today. Let's see what Jesus said and let's listen to his voice. And isn't it wonderful that we have the scriptures and that we can do that? In Luke chapter 13, notice in verse 3, I tell you nay, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And then again, verse 5, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Jesus is making a powerful point there. What are the words of Jesus and what does his voice convey? His voice conveys the idea of repentance. In Luke chapter 24, you have a passage there, Luke's account of the Great Commission. And in that particular passage, you see in Luke 24, 46 and 47, and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem, verse 46 and verse 47. You see, Jesus knew what we needed to hear, and he wanted these men to go out, beginning at Jerusalem, and preach this great message of saying, you need to repent. Now, you're often thinking about repentance with regard to the person who's never obeyed the gospel. And the person who's never obeyed the gospel needs to repent. But we sometimes limit that necessity to those who've never obeyed the gospel. Is it not also true that those of us who have been obedient to the gospel at times need to repent? Is it the case that we become so secure in our salvation that we get the idea, I don't need to repent? That's for people who've never obeyed the gospel. Besides, I don't like the idea of repentance. Because you know what repentance is saying to me? Repentance is saying, I am wrong. And I don't like that. Nobody likes to be told they're wrong. For some people to be told you are wrong is insulting to them. And they take that as an insult. You are wrong. The voice of Jesus is telling us, you need to repent. And sometimes people are so agitated at the idea of being told that they need to repent that they get angry. And I've had that experience myself. Perhaps you've had that experience whereby you're sitting down with somebody and you're studying the Bible and they see the truth of God's Word and the cogency of it, the power of it, begins to affect them and they become very angry over the matter. They're angry over this. Sometimes telling people to repent is a hard thing because if we admit that, that I need it, <laughs> 
that I'm going to have to admit I'm wrong. But it means more than that. To say that a person needs to repent is to convey the idea that he's filled with sorrow. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 is a good verse to remember along this line. And the verse is verse 10. For he says, for the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Now I read for you 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and the verse is verse 10, a passage you can read from the pages of your own Bible, and I hope you do. And it's a Bible passage which says, you'll never regret repenting. Godly sorrow produces it. Now, when you don't repent and you're not filled with a godly, godly sorrow, that kind of regret leads to death. But a godly sorrow, a sorrow over sin, a sorrow over the act of sin and the participation of sin can lead one to repent. And it fills our heart with a great deal of dread. Bible writers would write about this. Jesus would talk about it in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are they which mourn. He's talking about mourning over the problems of sin and the problems that we've had before. Paul would talk about the particular matter of the kind of life that we were once ashamed of, but now we're living life in Christ Jesus. It is a matter of sorrow. When I say you need to repent as a result of saying, I am sorry for the sins which I've committed, but it means more than that. It means I'm going to change. That may be the most difficult part of it all. Am I going to listen to the voice of Jesus? It means I have to change. I have to quit doing the things that I've been doing. And it may mean that I enjoy doing those things. It may mean I enjoy thinking that way. It may mean I enjoy participating in that particular fashion. But now, because of repentance, I change. I'm not going to do it. And I think that's one of the more difficult things to get people to do. To quit doing the things that they've always been doing and are in the habit of doing. But now we change. It is a matter of admitting I'm wrong. It's a matter of saying, you know, I need to change. And I'm sorry for the things which I've done. It's not just a matter for the non-Christian. Now, let there be no doubt about it. A non-Christian person must repent in order to receive forgiveness of sin. I tell you, nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. In Acts chapter 17, one of the great sermons of all the Bible is found for us in verse 30 and 31. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent. Maybe we should mark that in our Bibles, Acts 17 and verse 30. Because he's fixed a day, verse 31, in which he will judge the world in righteousness through the man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. I read for you Acts 17, 30 and 31. It's a Bible which is admonishing by the inspired Apostle Paul. All men everywhere are now obligated to repent. I don't see many people repenting these days. Used to be, you know, have a gospel meeting, people come forward and they'd repent. 
have a gospel sermon. Somebody's preaching about the importance and the need for repentance. Somebody come forward and they would write out on a card certain problem, that kind of thing. They won't repent because it was of a public nature and the need was public and the repentance needed to be public. Sometimes it's just a matter of a private repentance whereby the offense is between me and God. And sometimes it's between me and the other fellow and I need to go to that other fellow and repent and to God and repent. And sometimes it's of such a nature that I need to go forward and I say, look, I have been wrong, I repent. And I don't see that much anymore. Maybe it's because we quit sinning and we don't need to repent anymore. Or maybe it's just because we quit repenting. Anybody here this morning need to repent? Hear the voice of Jesus. And consider the important matter that now we've been given by the providential uh, blessing of God the opportunity to repent. Non-Christians need to repent, Acts 2.37, Acts 2, verse 38. Repent and be baptized, he said. Be filled with the idea of your wrong. Recognize the sorrow in your heart over sin and change your life for what is right. That's what Peter told old Simon, Acts chapter 8, who was a Christian. Be it he saw the work of the Holy Spirit, verse 18. He wanted that power, verse 19. He offered them money so that they, he could receive the ability to do such. Verse 20. But notice in verse 29, 22 of Acts chapter 8. You need to repent. Does anybody here need to repent today? It may be. And I pray that you do. Hear the voice of Jesus. I don't know what the voice sounded like. But I know what it said. In Mark chapter 16, I dare not forget this important point. The voice of Jesus told us of our need to be baptized into Christ for the remission of sins. I'm not ashamed of that. I remember a long time ago when I was baptized. I remember the very night. I remember the very first step I took when I walked out the aisle and went forward. It was not an easy decision for me to make, but I knew it was time for me to make it. I studied with my mother and my father. My father was a wonderful Bible teacher. He spent so much time teaching me. I studied with him, studied with the preacher. The preacher came by. I had the preacher over for dinner. My mother said to me, isn't there something you want to ask, Brother Bob? I said, yes, ma'am, I do. And asked me, I said, he said, well, what is it? I said, I want to be baptized. He said, do you know what you're doing? Do you know what baptism is all about? And we went through a series of questions. One of the points that was raised was Mark, Matthew, Mark chapter 16 and verse 16. He who believes and has been baptized shall be saved. But he who believeth not shall be condemned. I remember very well that passage being brought up. The voice of Jesus was saying that every individual of accountability needs to be baptized into Christ for the remission of sins. I listened to what Jesus had to say. And that's what every individual here who's been obedient to the gospel has done. 
you listened to the voice, and you heard what he said. And the voice said, you be baptized. Now, my name is not in the Bible. I've read the Bible from beginning to end, and I'm not bragging about that fact. I'm just saying that's what I have done and do. I continue to do that. And my name's not found in the Bible. But it's very clear he includes me in the he of verse 16. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. The he is of such a generic disposition that it includes every one of us. If we're of the people who have repented of sins and been baptized into Christ, then we shall be saved. That's listening to the voice of Jesus. Some people will not listen to the voice of Jesus. They want to say, you don't have to be baptized. You can be baptized if you want to. You can be baptized if you want to, but it's not necessary for you to be baptized. Listening to the voice of Jesus means also listening to the words of inspired apostles and prophets of the New Testament, like the Apostle Paul, Romans chapter 6, where he describes for me this new relationship in Christ because of my repentance and my baptism. I'm baptized into Christ. I'm put under the water, and I'm brought up out of the water to rise up to walk in a newness of life. That's listening to the voice of Jesus This is how I appropriate the blood of Christ to my life. This is all capsulized for us specifically in Romans chapter 6. He says, now every spiritual blessing that God has in store for you is found in Christ. That's Ephesians 1 and verse 7. In order to get into Christ, I'm baptized into Christ. Galatians chapter 3, 26 and 27. This wonderful passage beginning in Romans chapter 6 and verse 3. I dare not fail to read it. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life, new life in Christ, because I've been baptized into his death. That's how I receive the benefits of the cross of Christ and the blood of Christ is by going through this reenactment of my own death and my own resurrection just as Jesus died and was raised from the dead. Now this New Testament apostles teaching that. These New Testament apostles are preaching that. wonder why they're doing that. They'd heard the voice of Jesus. They'd heard Jesus say these things, and they'd heard Jesus talk about these particular matters, and they're talking about these particular matters. There's another reason why they're saying these things, because the Holy Spirit of God inspired these men to say the things that they're saying. It was not an optional matter for them. They understood that this was the divine will of God, the will of God for our lives. So Peter would say in 1 Peter 3 and 21, this is the answer of a good conscience toward God. My conscience is now clean because I've been baptized into Christ for the remission of my sins. Blessed is the man whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, Psalm 32 and verse 1. We're going to listen to his voice. Acts 22, 
He told Saul, Arise, be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. How did he call upon the name of the Lord? Did he say, call upon the name of the Lord and just say, hold up your hand and say, I believe in the Lord, or I believe in Jesus? No, he went out and was baptized. That's calling on the name of the Lord, to repent of his sins and to be baptized. Do we have anyone here today that needs to be baptized into Christ for the remission of sins? Are you going to listen to the voice of Jesus? You're going to do what Jesus has told you to do? Some people would rather listen to the scholars about it. Some people would rather go to this book and go to that book and listen to what they say. The community sometimes would rather listen to the scholarly approach to the matter and see what the scholar has to say about it rather than listen to the voice of Jesus. Some people won't listen to his voice. Are you going to listen to Jesus' voice today? And do what Jesus has told you to do? In Matthew chapter 22, you have something there that Jesus said that really ought to affect us all very carefully. And I find it in verse 37. Perhaps we should mark it in the pages of our Bible. The passage is Matthew 22 and 37. And he said to him, here's his voice, here it comes. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. We might say in summary fashion, what he means by that is just love the Lord God with all our being. And somebody might come along and say, that's, you know, who could do that? You know, how can we do that? Uh, to love God with all our heart, all our soul, our being, I certainly want to, but who could really do that? Well, if it was impossible, Jesus would have never commanded it. But Jesus said, you will do this. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. It's a wonderful time of the year, isn't it? I enjoy this time of the year. I enjoy Thanksgiving. I enjoy the holiday seasons as we have. And I'm so thankful that we live in a country whereby people take the time off to be with family and friends. And you're visiting family and friends. I'm so happy about that. And when you pause this evening sometime, Make out a list of things you're grateful for. And you think, well, I'm thankful for my family. and I'm thankful for my children. So thankful. God's really blessed me. And I'm thankful for my grandchildren. So thankful. Thankful for my health. Thankful for my life. Thankful for my work. God's given me a great work to do. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful for the possessions. And I'm listing all these matters. I'm thankful, thankful, thankful. But what should be at the top of the list? I'm thankful for God. I'm to love God with all my heart and with all my soul and with all my mind. And if your prayer list doesn't have God right at the top of that list, something might be lacking with regard to listening to the voice of Jesus. Maybe you're not hearing Him as clearly as you ought to hear Him. The first thing at the top of that list of thankful things that we ought to be praying to God for 
I'm thankful for God. And let me tell you something. If it wasn't for God, we wouldn't have what we have. We wouldn't be what we are. We wouldn't be able to do what we want to do if it weren't for God. And God's constant providential care for our lives. Where would we be without Him? I'm thankful for God. And it ought to be right at the top of the list. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Love Him with all your being. Are you going to listen to the words of Christ today? Are we going to go out and love the world more than we love God? Are we going to go out and love the things of the world more than we love God? Love God with all your heart. And I tell you this, that when you love God with all your heart, all these other things will come to play. All these other things will be on your prayer list already. And thank God for all he's done. Matthew chapter 6 and 33. I think about that passage a lot. Put the kingdom of God first in your life. Here's the real test of listening to the voice of Jesus is God first in your life is he do you really put God first in your life one of the things the voice of Jesus has taught me is found in Matthew chapter 11 and 28 again a Bible passage you ought to mark in the pages of your Bible it's a powerful passage Let's listen to the voice of Jesus today. Verse 28, he said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Come unto me, a haven for the heartbroken. A place of rest during the difficulties of life. For those of you who've lost hope, and for those of you who cannot see the purpose in living, listen to the words of Jesus. Come to me. Don't go there and don't go over there. Go to Christ. and Listen to the great lessons which Jesus has in store for each and every one of us. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. The yoke is the teaching of Jesus. The yoke uh, was a kind of mantle uh, which different rabbis would refer to. There is the yoke of the teaching of Rabbi Hillel. Or there would be the yoke of the teaching of Rabbi Shammai. Uh, There's different yokes, the teaching of Rabbi Akiba. But don't listen to that yoke, but listen to me. Listen to the teaching of Christ. Are we going to do that? Come to Christ and listen to his teaching. When I think about the voice of Jesus, and we studied just just the other night about stilling that storm, you know, on the Sea of Galilee. And he was asleep. And I made the comment then, and I think about it again, how that they must have been working hard to get this boat to shore and they're bailing out the water. The boat's about to be swamped. They go to him, and they say, you know, don't you care? We are perishing here. And he slightly, kindly rebukes them, oh, ye of little faith. Why would you fear? He gets up, and with his voice, 
he stills the storm. And they're amazed at the voice of Jesus. They're amazed at what he could do. And I really don't think that they thought he would do something like that. They, they probably thought, help us out of this dilemma by helping row or helping bail out. But here he actually stills the storm, showing power over inanimate objects, something they had not really seen anything like that before. The voice of Jesus did that. Co-creator of heaven and earth, co-creator of our soul, in control of the world in which we live. With his voice, he stills the storm. Jesus, with his voice, is saying, I can still the storm in your life. Come to me, for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. My teaching is easy compared to the way of the world. My yoke, my teaching is easy. It's beneficial. The teaching of Rabbi Akiba and Rabbi Shammai is not going to get you anywhere. The teaching of this one, the teaching of that is not going to avail you of anything with regard to eternal life. Come to me, the voice of Jesus. I know... I wish I knew how it sounded, but God made it clear that's not the important thing. The important thing is what he said. And now the important thing is, are we going to obey it? Are we going to listen to the voice of Jesus? Now, I know, I know, the world wants to talk about the birth of Jesus. I've had discussions with this already with different ones but I really don't have authority from the scripture with regard to remembering the birth of Jesus, though it's certainly taught in the scripture. I have authority to remember the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, which I do every first day of the week because we listen to his voice and we learn what he says. Will you respond to the voice of Jesus by repenting of sin and confessing your faith and by being baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins? Will you listen to the voice of Jesus by repenting of sin and rededicating your life to Christ? I pray that you will. And I pray you do it now. Won't you come? While together we stand and while we sing.